This morning I've entitled my sermon, Fear Not. And I think it's wise for us to understand that Jesus never intended, never, never, never intended for the church to be anxious about our future. Over and over and over again we find through the scripture, we just read through the book of John, and several times Jesus himself said, fear not, don't be afraid. Um, There are some 100 verses that specifically say, fear not. Someone else has gone through the scriptures and has found over 300 verses that say, fear not, but some of them don't exactly use those words. But the concept is there for us to not be afraid. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul specifically wrote to the church in Philippi, and he said this in Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And you can list anything you want to right there. You can take out that word anything and just start writing things like, oh, I don't know, the end of the world or coronavirus or... COVID-19 or carpet or Velcro or whatever you want. He's saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how many situations? Okay. So in most situations, look, in every situation, Paul says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Do we grab that? I've had people at, you know, my dad passed away two years ago in February, and uh, um, I, I did the funeral, and somebody said to me, how, how could you stand up and do your own dad's funeral? How could you do that? And it's because of what Paul wrote to the church in Philippians. The peace of God transcends all all understanding every ounce of it your understanding is as though it almost needs to be just set aside God will give you peace through every situation and it goes on and he says he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus I'm I'm in my suit jacket if I take my jacket off I'm out of my suit jacket and now I'm in my suit jacket And now I'm out of my suit jacket. You get the concept? We can be in Christ or we can be out of Christ. We can choose to walk in fear. We can choose to grab every situation or we could say, I'm going to remain in Christ and in what his word says and in the concepts and the the doctrines of the Bible, I can remain in that and while I'm in that, I can walk in a peace that transcends All understanding. I want to take a a few minutes this morning. Just be clear, I am not a medical doctor, um, in case you didn't know that. Um, I actually went to school to be an electrician, so it doesn't qualify at all. Um, But I'm not a medical doctor, but I want to tell you what I know about the coronavirus. Because... (laughs) I put this on Facebook the other day. You know, we could all get healed of this thing if we just shut the TV off for about two weeks. 
literally, there was a doctor on the, the news, Caleb was telling me, there was a doctor on a news program the other day, and he told the, the media, he's like, if you would all just shut up, this thing would be fine. Now, I'm, I, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, this is real. This is a very real virus. And if you have a compromised immune system, this is not to be taken lightly. However, it seems like we're in an age where we're so overstimulated by media, it's coming at us from every side, that we just get ourselves all wrapped up. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Some of you get out of bed in the morning. Before you say hello to anybody, you've checked Facebook and your email and your texts. Before you even make it to the bathroom, you get out of bed, you grab the phone, and you're flipping it over, and you're looking at all these things before you even get to the bathroom. We're inundated with that stuff. And I want to tell you, hype sells. Bad news sells. You may or may not know it, but I am serving as the president of our local ministerial for the, the year 2019-2020. As a ministerial, we are a local gathering of pastors. We come together once a month. Sometimes we communicate about what's going on in our personal lives. Sometimes we talk about what's going on in our community, events that are going on. Sometimes we talk about events that are going on in our churches. We have those meetings at different churches and different locations every month. We've kind of been laughing about this, at least Hokie and I have kind of been chuckling about this, about coincidences that really aren't. I mean, it started a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was during a sermon that I preached. I, I think that's where it, it started. But we kind of talk about these coincidences that are happening, and you realize, you know, there's no such thing. There just isn't, you know. Um, so here's, here's a coincidence for you. Um, our ministerial meeting begins in September every year. So in September of 2019, we scheduled all the churches that were going to participate in this in the, the year where we're going to have all of our services. So in September of 2019, our ministerial meeting decided that last Thursday's meeting, this last Thursday's meeting, was going to be held at Oak Crossing Nursing Home. Well, that's a coincidence. It's a coincidence that Wednesday night before the meeting, all the nursing homes in town decided to shut down visitors coming into the nursing homes. Can't have uh, local pastors, can't come in and do services. The chaplains on board there will be doing services for people, will be praying for people. Basically what the nursing homes are saying, and this is for you if you don't know this, please don't go in and visit unless it's an end of life or a, uh, 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 an emotional security that's really needed for somebody. But they shut us down. So Thursday morning, we're getting done with our men's meeting, and I come running upstairs to get my coat and head across town to Oak Crossing and my phone, and I'm checking my phone. Nope, no meeting at Oak Crossing. Now instead, we're meeting at the hospital. Okay, well, that's not far. We can do that. That's a neat little coincidence. Oh, and a month before, um, I had somebody who said, well, you know, if we're meeting at Oak Crossing, the chaplain there said, if we're meeting at Oak Crossing, I wonder if we could get the, the new interim vice president of the hospital to, in, uh, to, uh, to introduce himself and have a little chat with the pastors. That kind of sounds like a coincidence, right? Sure, have him there. So he's, he was at our meeting, and I want to tell you, folks, he was incredibly, incredibly 
hospitable. His name is Rick Brown. He met with us on Thursday morning. Um, he met with us for 45 minutes and answered all the questions that we could come up with and gave us answers to things that we had no idea. Um, so pray for Rick Brown right now. All the medical staff in our communities, they're, they're dealing with this chaos hands-on. Pray for my daughter. She's dealing with it hands-on. She's, uh, she's in the midst of all this stuff. So here are some of the facts that we know regarding coronavirus. You're saying, is this really what I came to church about? Jesus talked about things that were relevant. This is relevant. Here are some facts about coronavirus. First of all, coronavirus is nothing new. This strain is new, but coronavirus has actually been around for decades, and they actually vaccinate cattle for coronavirus at this time, have been vaccinating cows for coronavirus for a long time, and the corona family of viruses, if you will, is actually the virus strain that is most responsible for our common cold. If you've had a common cold in the last 20 years, you've had a taste of a coronavirus. Maybe not COVID-19, but you've had a taste of a coronavirus. Uh, this COVID-19, fact number two, as it is called, is difficult on those with a, com uh, a compromised immune system. If you have COPD, if you have diabetes, if you are simply elderly, anyone over 60, and their, their immune system may be a little bit weaker, this is going to be difficult on those individuals. However, um, I almost called him Pastor Rick, the, the vice president of the, uh, of the uh, hospital was quite clear with us that COVID-19 mirrors the symptoms of influenza so identically you, uh, you about have to get tested to know the difference. It mirrors them that close. Um, and that with, uh, so, so as with influenza, anyone who has a compromised immune system are just as much in trouble with influenza as they are with coronavirus. According to Johns Hopkins University, COVID-19, approximately 4,718 deaths have been reported, 4,400 deaths worldwide, and 38 deaths in the United States. That was as of Thursday, March 12th. Influenza, on the other hand, is responsible for 291,000 to 650,000 deaths per year. Hear that? Up to 600,000 deaths per year worldwide. And in the United States, over the past several years, influenza has been responsible for between 12 and 61,000 deaths a year in the United States. And that's with people being vaccinated. Since this is a new strain of the disease, of this virus, People don't have any immunity to it, and vaccines are, are a, month, a few months away, certainly. That being said, the number of deaths of influenza was between 25 and 30 times this, the number of the COVID deaths at this point in time. Uh, and again, that is with vaccinating. Fact number three, the number of people actually diagnosed and tested positive is much lower than the number of people that actually are carrying the virus. While the medical community first thought that the deaths were fewer, but that the um, 
carriers were substantially fewer. The, the initial line of thinking was that COVID-19 is much more disastrous, that the death rate is much higher percentage-wise. So what has taken place in the last um, couple of days, actually, is actually since um, the, the news came out on Thursday and implement, implementation began on Friday, according to um, the vice president of the hospital. What happened on Thursday was that the, um, until Thursday, the CDC was responsible for all testing. If you were sick and you thought you had the coronavirus and you needed to get tested, the hospitals and the medical situation actually went through the CDC in order to get approval to test, correct? Okay, as of Friday, that changed and now it has changed to the medical provider. So if the medical provider thinks you need to get tested and your insurance company agrees, you can get tested. What that means is we're going to see the numbers of this thing rise astronomically. But it doesn't mean that there's more sickness. So many people are carriers, just like with the flu, and you never get the actual flu or sickness or illness. But there are many, many, many more carriers. So as of Thursday and Friday, they believe that the... Um, they believe that the the death rate is going to be still drastically less than that of influenza, even on a percentage basis. Uh, again, we won't know any of that until um, you get down the road a little ways. As with many viruses, many people can carry the virus and be asymptomatic, can have no symptoms. As a matter of fact, it appears that young children, um, many are carriers but very, very few have actually come down with any symptoms. And as of last week, um, from what I have understood and what I've read and what I've looked at, the Johns Hopkins reports, the, the CDC, um, there have been no children that have actually died from the coronavirus. So the little buggers can carry it, but they don't, they don't get it. Yay, that's good news, right? God's protecting our kids. Sanford Hospital up in Fargo um, uh, we found out just this morning again that the schools in Minnesota are all going to be canceled um, starting on the 18th. Um, Sanford is actually opposed to that. What Sanford is saying is as soon as you take these kids out of school and mom and dad go off to work, you have to now leave the kids with grandma and grandpa who have the immune weakness, who have the, 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 uh, their, their immunities are, are less than. So what you're going to do is you're going to take the little ones who are the carriers and bring it to the ones who are the most at risk. So Sanford is absolutely against this move um, from what I've been told and the, the research that we currently have. Um, so another fact is as of last Thursday, there had only been five people in Detroit Lakes that had been tested and um, from what Rick was telling us about, what Mr. Brown was telling us about uh, Detroit Lakes, they have a very, very um, streamlined system in place. Um, if you called and said, hey, I'm, I'm really sick, this is what I need to do, they're going to get you an appointment. When that appointment is ready, you drive to the hospital in the am at the ambulance bay. When you get outside the ambulance door, you open, they open up the door, roll down the window, somebody's gowned and ready to go, they test you and send you out and tell you to self-quarantine and 48 hours later they will have the results and they will let you know to date nobody in Detroit Lakes has actually been tested and found positive as of Thursday uh, with the coronavirus. <clears throat> so again, 
Um, that being said, testing has been limited. The CDC has now changed those parameters. So we're going to see that protocol go up, but don't let that put fear in your heart because the reality is this virus has been around for a while already. They're claiming that in China that nearly 80% of the cases that have the people have been sick, 80% of them are completely mended. They're done. It's, they're past it in just a matter of a, a few weeks. They're completely, 80% are healed up. So please don't let this thing um, get you crazy. According to, again, Rick Brown here in town, that rhymed. Uh, there are no shortages of test kits at this time. Their system is very streamlined. You'll get results back in 48 hours. Um, Sanford, I know, is working on some of the same uh, protocols. Um, and so the world is going crazy about this. And again, I'm not saying that it's not real. It is real, but we've, we've exaggerated it an awful lot. And so I would say let calmer heads prevail and please... Um, Let's not go off the deep end. I think as believers, we have an opportunity to breathe life into this situation. We've been going through the book of John lately, and I've just reminded of how many times Jesus says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to move on now. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these, uh, when shall these things be and what shall the sign of the coming of the end of the world be and Jesus answered them and he said take heed that no man deceives you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and he shall deceive many and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you be not troubled for all of these things must come to pass but the end is not yet nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there shall be famine there shall be pestilence there shall be earthquakes there shall be all these things in diverse places garbage is going to come down the pipe that's what Jesus is saying all these are the beginning of sorrow then shall they be delivered up to you uh, sh then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and you shall and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and then shall many be offended and many betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and many and shall deceive many because iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end the same shall be saved. Jesus spoke to his followers, and he said, the day is going to come when there is going to be wars, and there's going to be rumors of wars, and there's going to be violence, there's going to be violence against believers, there's going to be plagues, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be viruses, there's going to be all kinds of things. Hang on! Hang on! Whoever endures to the end is going to be saved. Hang on! I watched a video the other day. Okay, so these, this guy was taking a lady parasailing. Got the big kite. And he gets her all hooked up to this. He's the instructor. He gets her all hooked up to this kite. And, and you know what they do then. The first thing they do is they jump off a 150-foot cliff, right? Running down the trail, jump off the cliff. About the time he goes airborne, he realizes that he didn't hook his harness. They got GoPro cameras on front and back to get all of her expressions. Well, they got his expression. <laughs> You're sitting on the edge. 
Pretend that you're hanging onto a bar, you know, like we're flying. Okay, and on this thing, all of a sudden, her back end is clear up here because it's hanging onto the kite. And his is hanging on like this. And she's hanging on. The next thing you know, he's hanging on like this. And then the next thing you know, he's hanging on like this. And she decides she's going to grab a hold of him. And once she does, the plane starts going sideways. She's like, no, 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 grab it. She goes, he's like this. Eleven minutes I watched that drama. I began to sweat, man. I'm thinking, I need a shower after all. This is crazy. I lost my microphone and all that. Guess what? He who endured to the end was saved. At one point, the camera shows him they're about 20 feet off the ground, and you can see this guy telling her, this is how you got to land it. This is how you got to do it. And she catches a gust, and it goes straight up in the air, and he's like, No! We're going to endure some junk. Is that okay? We're going to endure some junk. Is that okay? Because he who survives to the end, he who hangs on to the end, is the one who's going to get saved. This guy made it. He made it. I mean, he crashed. They got down to within about five, six feet of the ground, and he's like, I'm letting go now. Eleven, imagine, 11 minutes. That hand did not let go. Vice grip, 150 feet, 200 feet in the air. I'm watching the cameras thinking, Lord, I might throw up, and I'm just watching it on my computer. <laughs> Hanging on, vice grip, man. He did not let go. Gets within five feet of the ground. He lets go, and when he does, he flops and flips around and crashes and breaks his arm, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> okay. Really grab hold of this passage of Scripture. Hang on to the end. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. Our world has lost their mind. They have. We don't have to walk in that kind of fear. Every time you begin to walk in fear, I want you to realize the spirit that's behind that fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. When you start walking in fear, you need to step back a minute and go, what spirit is that of? Is that love? Is that joy? Is that peace? Is that patience? Is that gentleness? Is that kindness? Is it meekness? Is it the spirit, the fruit of the spirit of God? Or is it the fruit of the enemy? Don't let yourself go down that road. Take your thoughts captive. That's what Paul says to, to Corinthians. Take your thoughts captive and submit them to Christ. Anytime you find yourself walking in fear, stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop. Assess the situation. Where is this fear coming from? Is this God? There is such a thing as a godly fear. As a matter of fact, um, Proverbs tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's one thing to fear a creator who spoke light into existence. It's one thing to fear a creator who knit you together in his mother's womb. It's another thing to fear the enemy who wants to drive you off the edge of a cliff because you're afraid of a virus. Right? Stop and analyze what is, where is this fear coming from? Grab a hold of that. Discern what's driving it. Discern what's driving it. Well, there's a song out. I, the other day, I, I, I was driving down the road, and I'm thinking about this 
passage of scripture, and, and I, I turned on the radio, and, and uh, it's a Christian radio song, or a Christian song on the Christian radio, and it says, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. If we put our hope and our trust and our confidence in Jesus Christ, John chapter 10, verse 28, New International Version, I will give them eternal life, Jesus said, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them or pluck them out of my hand. No one. No one. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. What is, like, like what's the worst thing that could happen to us? We could stay here. Is that not the truth? The worst thing that could happen is we could live and stay here? Paul said, I'll stay here, but for me to die is gain. For me to live is Jesus. For me to die is gain. When was the last time? When was the last time you walked on streets of gold? When was the last time you saw a gate of the city that was a solid pearl? When was the last time you saw the foundation that was these beautiful rocks, beautiful jewels and gems? When was the last time you saw that? Never. I like Barry's answer, not yet. We think, well, the worst thing that could happen is someone could kill us. No, that worst thing is that we'd be here. Somebody told me one time, you know, so-and-so is sick, and we're going to go over and pray for him, and we're just going to believe that God's going to raise him from the dead. And I said, you hear that about me? Don't you dare come and pray for me. Well, pastor, well, nothing. Don't call me back. I'm going, man. I've served my time. I'm going. Well, we'll see what the Lord says. About it. Well, you can see what the Lord says, but I'm telling you, if he gives me the option, I'm staying. Look, folks, God is able to help us. He's able to walk us through this. How do you know that, pastor? I'll tell you how I know it. In the Old Testament, there's a song that was written. A song is a psalm. That's what psalms are. Psalms are religious hymns. And it's Psalm 91. And if you don't do anything, if you don't get anything out of today, and I want you to get this, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Say it with me. Psalm 91. If you've never heard it, if you've never read it, go home, look it up on Google, look it up on Bible Gateway. Actually, you could pull out your Bible and find it in there too. It's in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's the part before Jesus, so there's not going to be any red letters in there. But it's in the Old Testament. I want to read to you what Psalm 91 has to say. It begins, and I'm, I'm an NIV guy, but I love this in King James. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall abide. Question number one, where have you taken up your dwelling? Where are you abiding? If you are living and dying by every word that proceeds out of ABC, CNN, NBC, you are not in the dwelling place of God. You are not. You've missed that secret place, that time alone where you can dwell in the presence of Almighty God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. How important was the shadow? In the Middle East, a shadow when the desert's 140 degrees and there's a tree where there's just a little bit of shade. You get in that shade and you abide there. 
When there's pressure in this world and you've got things pushing on you and people pushing on you and situations pushing on you and school's going to cancel and church is going to cancel and this is going to cancel, get under the presence of Almighty God. Get in His shadow. Tuck in. Find that place where you can abide in Him. And here, David says, you need to dwell there. Don't just cruise by every once in a while. I went to church on Sunday. It was good. Pastor preached a little bit long. Kind of got excited. Took his jacket off too many times. I don't care about that. Dwell in the presence of the Almighty. Find that secret place. And, and, and who's above the Most High? That's question number two. Who's above the Most High? Right? No one. Sickness, disease, famine, death, Loss, the economy, the stock market, is any above that, any of that above the most high? Is not the most high the most high? Get under the shadow of the most high. Hang out there. Because that's where peace is, that's where life is, that's where hope is. The New Testament tells us somebody can kill your body, but no one can take that spirit. We just read that. You're, you're in his hands. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. How many of you have ever had to uh, run, literally, run to a fortress for help? Yeah, not so many of us. David, however, was a warrior. David wrote this understanding the spiritual context that all of us need to run to a fortress. David was a warrior. He had to run to a fortress many times. He had enemies chasing him. He had to get to a place where he was safe and protected, where the walls, where, where he could take, regardless of what was going on outside, he's not outside. He's inside. He'd been running for three days. It's about time to grab an iced tea and let the walls of the fortress do what the walls of the fortress do. Right? Let me ask you this. How many times have you let the devil push you around totally uncontested? You have not stood up to him at all. You just let it happen. You just let him roll right over top of you. We don't have to live there. Run to the fortress. Run to God. Get to that high tower. Get to the one who's the highest. He's above all. Get to that place and let him do the battle for you. That's what the word says. He's going to do that battle for you. I kind of get excited, and I'm not apologizing. David was a warrior. He knew what it meant. Verse 3, surely he, who's he? The most high, right? Is that not who we're talking about? The most high, surely he shall deliver thee. Who's thee? He shall deliver thee. So the most high is going to deliver me. You don't have to believe it. You can fight it on your own if you want. You'll lose, but you can fight He's saying he will deliver us from the snare of a fowler. Snare of a fowler, snare of a fowler, snare of a fowler. What's the snare of a fowler, pastor? Snare of a fowler is a trap that's set for birds. Birds were fowl. The snare of the fowler. So these traps that were set were sneaky. You didn't want to have a trap that the bird was going to see. 
So they had to disguise this trap so the bird would fly into it. What he's saying is in your life, there are going to be some sneaky traps set against you. I can tell you if Raymond and I have a blow up, have a fight, and he didn't want to have a fight with me, and I didn't want to have a fight with him, we know that God didn't want us to have a fight. We just stepped into a snare of the enemy. We just stepped into a sneaky trap. That's a snare of the fowler. That's what happened. The devil wants to set traps to trip you up and to trip me up. And here, the word says, he's going to deliver you from that and from noisome pestilence. You know another name for noisome pestilence? COVID-19, that's right. <laughs> Plagues, disease, viruses, noisome pestilence. I want, ooh, the next verse is rich. The next verse is rich because we read it wrong. David was a warrior, and so we tend to think that, oh, no, I'm, down, I'm, I'm too far ahead. It's not the next verse. What's well, next verse? He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Under his feathers. God has feathers. I think of God now as a chicken. No, but under his feathers, he's painting a picture of a fowl, of a bird. He just talked about a bird. He's talking about a picture about a mama who's, who, mama bird who's covering her babies. You ever seen it? They, she's, she'll take the battle for him. She'll, she'll fake injury. She'll go off. She'll do anything to distract. She'll do anything she can, but she's going to protect those babies. His word is a shield. We think of this little bitty shield that we, you know, Wonder Woman, do, 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 do. A shield was not a shield like that. A shield was like a door. Man, hide behind, get behind the door. Raymond and I and Anthony, and we can all stand together and put all of our doors together, and we can stand behind a wall. By the way, that's what a buckler is. A buckler is a sanctuary. A buckler is actually a, uh, it's, it's another word for a fortress. That's what a buckler is. His word would be a shield and a buckler. We have to hide back in the fort. Here's the one I like. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day, or the pestilence that walks in the darkness, or for the destruction that wastes at the noonday. Hebrews, in this time, Hebrews, their day was divided into four equal parts. We don't think of it. We think about three parts. We've got days, afternoons, and midnights, depending on what shift you work. We don't think about this, but the Hebrews, they looked at four very distinct parts of the day. So nighttime represents from 6 p.m. to midnight. Day is from 6 a.m. to noon. Darkness represents a time between midnight and 6 a.m. Noonday represents from noon to 6. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, God is watching out for you. Run to that place. Run to that fortress. 24 hours a day. Here's what we read wrong. A thousand shall fall at his side, 10,000 at his right hand, but it shall not come to thee. We read that and we think about a battle, typically. One commentary said this. I've never understood this. This is not to be understood as the falling in a battle as some interpret it but by pestilence before, before spoken of. That's what he was talking about. Just before it was pestilence. 10,000 at your right hand, which shows the great devastation by a plague or by pestilence. And it shall not come near 
right? We don't have to hang on to that stuff. We don't have to hang on to that. So much so that in verse 80 says, Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even my high, thy habitation, even the most high, my habitation. Only with my eyes. The righteous are so safe, because we're in Jesus' hand. Kind of gets a guy excited. We're so safe that we're only going to see disaster with our eyes as it appears around us. What's the worst thing that could happen? We stay here. The best thing's happen. We could die and go home and be with Jesus. You're like, I'm not ready. Get ready. Because it's going to happen. Every one of us, unless Jesus comes back, is going to die. I've said it for the last three weeks in a row. The Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. Don't wait for the rush. Get her done now. You might as well get her done while there's benefit to it. Come up and accept Jesus now. Don't wait till the end. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Here he says, if you, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you run to that high tower, the worst case that's going to happen is you're going to see pestilence from a distance. Oh, look at that. Does that mean we're not going to get sick? Doesn't mean that. Maybe. This thing really giving me a problem here. Ever since I hugged you, Lindsay. We might get sick. We might actually die. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, how do you how do you be sad? To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. How's that a bad thing? That's not bad. I'd trade this old ratty jacket for a new one any day, a new body. Are you kidding me? There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall plagues come nigh your dwelling. That's kind of funny. How can a plague come near your dwelling if your dwelling is the secret place of the Most High? But if you're not dwelling under the secret place of the Most High, then you're given opportunity for that plague to come near you. God's word is astounding. It's astounding. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear up, bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash your foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion, adder, by the way, is a snake, and the dragon thou shalt trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. God says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him and I will set him on high because he has known my name. Because you set your love and your affection on Jesus Christ, on God. God says, I'm going to deliver you. This is God speaking. I'm not really sure, Pastor. Read it. Get in your heart, read it again. If you don't get it, read it again. Meditate on it until it becomes alive to you, until it becomes real, because when you set your affections on Christ, when you set your hope on Him, your confidence in Him, you don't have to rely on your flesh. You don't have to trust in what you can do. It's not about what you can do anyhow. The Bible says everything that you can do is as a filthy rag. You ready to be shocked, blown away? You know what that filthy rag refers to? It's a menstrual cloth. Sorry, you may not like it, but that's what the word says. That's the filthy rag. All of our goodness is as filthy rags before God. 
Our righteousness doesn't come from what we do. Our righteousness is about him. It's about being in his clothes. It's about being suited up. I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus and he lives in me. What a joy it is to know my heavenly father loves me so he gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Grab hold of that truth. Kids are coming upstairs. We're going to get done with this. Look, folks, go, go right back to making God your high tower. The NIV says in John chapter 14, we read this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me so that you may be where I am. Verse 15 in Psalm 91 says, He that calls upon me, uh, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. We need to invoke the name of Jesus Christ. We need to call on God's name. He that calls on me. Don't just read this thing and go, well, I guess God's going to protect me. Call on him. God, I need you. And then he says, I will deliver him and honor him. Honor him. I mean, honor him. Verse 16, with long life I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. So, the vice president of the hospital the other day says, you know, people, you know, they're, they're, you know, people got all kinds of stuff going on in life, especially if they get over 60. I mean, how many people do you know over 60 that, are, uh, that, that don't take blood pressure medicine? And Barry's like, me. <laughs> well, there are other medicines. Not me. God honors us. He, he, he pours back, gives us long life. That's what he wants to do for us. He needs to be our high tower. Don't let this thing destroy your afternoon. Don't let it destroy your week, your month. Don't, don't, don't let fear drive you, folks. Grab a hold of Psalm 91. Read it and read it and read it over again and read it over again until it comes alive in your heart because God wants us to call on him. He wants, he, he wants to be our high tower. He wants to be that place of salvation. He would, regardless of the situations that's going on, regardless of all that, we can walk in peace and joy and life. Amen? Lord, I thank you for each person who's here. God, again, we just we, we call on you for our great nation. God, we ask that you would deliver us as a nation. God, I pray that sanity would be preached in the pulpits all across our nation today. God, I pray people would grab a hold of your word. They would declare your truth. They'd run to you as a high tower, and then that we as a people would be able to stand and serve those who are fearful and those who are walking in terror or who are driven by this thing. God, help us to be that that light in this community, that we would be light in this nation when darkness wants to surround us and cover us and drown us and bury us. We have the opportunity to be light and we have the opportunity to be grace dispensers, hope dispensers, life dispensers. We get to, we get to be preachers of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Bless each person who's here today, God. Bless each person who's watching us online. I pray, Father, that over the course of the next several weeks, months, we're going to see this thing just dissipate. But I hope, I hope that we would continue to have an urgency to call on you, God. Help raise that urgency in a world around us, in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. Have a great day. Love on Jesus. Memorize Psalm 51.